Thank you for downloading the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast. You can find more relationship insights at focusonthefamily.com slash marriage podcast. All of us make mistakes and all of us need God's grace to really make our marriages work. I'm John Fuller, along with Greg and Aaron Smalley, who run our marriage department here at Focus on the Family. And Jim Daly and I spoke recently with Dr. Larry Crabb about how we should respond when other people sin. And somehow I know your marriage is going to benefit from this conversation. Uh, We left off last time uh, with me kind of teasing everyone that we want to talk about David, because David to me is a really unique figure. I mean, the Lord said he had a heart for him, yet he committed the big no-nos. Let's be honest here, adultery and murder. Um, He could be conniving. He was killing people. He was a military man. And when you talk about fully alive, Hmm. which is the title of your book, I can't think of another human character out of Scripture that was more fully alive, both for good and for mm-hmm. ill, than King David. Talk about him. Oh, I think that's true. I think that when David committed his big no-no, adultery and murder, that um, he came to realize something that he really hadn't seen before, apparently, because in the psalm, when he talks about that, he said, in sin, did my mother conceive me? I read that, and I said, well, wait a minute. That's not what we're talking about here. You just committed adultery and murder. How about talking about that? And he said, no, there's something deep within me that has been there all along that I never even saw. I never saw how clear it was until I committed these two horrible sins. And now I realize that I have to do far more than simply repent of adultery and murder. Obviously that, nothing less than that. But I've got to deal with something deep in my soul that has been problematic from the very beginning. And it began to evidence itself. And I think one of the reasons I'm glad you're bringing up, David, is, um, and this will sound like a sidetrack, but it's not, Think about how many guys, women too, but thinking about guys for the moment, how many guys have incredible struggles with sexual sin, whether it's pornography, whether it's adultery, whether it's whatever, all sorts of things that guys are, uh, homosexuality, which I would still define as a sin, even though it's politically incorrect to put it that way. Um, Well, here, David, he had a sexual struggle because he was up on the roof and he saw this pretty girl and he arranged for her to come and they had sex. And that was obviously not part of God's plan for his life. But it's so striking that the context for his sin is when he didn't go to war. Hmm. The context for his sin was when his troops were sent out to battle, he chose to stay behind. There was a man, as we talked about last time, there was a man who didn't move. Remember, manhood, the word zakar, means to remember God's purposes, remember God's plan, and move in consistency with God's direction, move in consistency with putting the nature of God on display by moving the way God moved into our world. He moved into our neighborhood, as John 1 puts it, and the way Peterson puts it in the message. God moved into our neighborhood. That's masculine. God invites us into his presence. That's feminine. That's the male-female distinction. So here's David, who didn't move in the way that he was intended to move as the king. Now, when a man doesn't move, he becomes vulnerable to all sorts of other ways to feel good about himself. Hmm. And when I don't move toward my wife, when I see some struggle in her that I want to avoid, then I'm more vulnerable if I see a pretty girl to lust. But if I am moving toward my wife in a way that God has called me to and to be curious about her soul, to enter into who she is and to be there for her in very significant ways. When I do that, something in my soul feels alive. There's some joy. And then when temptation comes, it's much easier to resist. David didn't move, and therefore his soul felt empty, and he found a sinful way to temporarily 
feel alive as a guy in a very perverted kind of a way, and that's why he sinned. Let me ask you about this. Uh, It's a little off the track as well, but when you look at sin, how does God view that? I mean, I think often we think of God as an elderly grandfather who we are shocking when we sin. Um, I'm starting to rethink that because he knows what it is. He knows that we are conceived in sin that we are fallen in our nature. That's the very reason that he sent Jesus to die for us, his son, to die for us, the incarnation of God himself, giving himself for us. We're not shocking him with sin. He knows it. He's God. But talk about that, um, if you can. How does God see sin and its use in helping us better understand who we are? Yeah. God obviously knows everything, and he knew what happened in the Garden of Eden. And I believe that one way to look at this whole topic of our failure is to realize three things. We're wounded, we've been failed, and it hurts. It really hurts to be wounded. Mm -hmm. All of us have been wounded in some form. A father who wasn't involved with us as kids, maybe, that's woundedness. But secondly, there's wickedness. There's something in me that says, I'm going to take responsibility for my own life, God, that dickens with you. You failed me. You didn't protect me from being wounded. So I'm not going to trust you anymore. I'm going to look out for myself. That's the essence of sin. That's rebellion. That's unbelief. That's wickedness. But he also knows that we're weak. There's woundedness, there's wickedness, and there's weakness. I think it's the unholy triad that goes on within us. Mm. And God sees all that. And no, is he shocked by it? No, he knows what it is. And his attitude toward it is, what an opportunity your sin presents me to show you the character that I have of grace And to show you what the word love means, I'm committed to your well-being at any cost to myself, and it cost me the death of my son. Now, that's the character of God. Can I put that character on display as a man when I see someone else messing up? You know, Larry, that is, again, so well said. When you think about it, whether you're male or female... This whole thing is about him. Yes, it's not about us. Exactly. And that's a thrill. You've got opportunities here, men and women. Get with it. It's unbelievable. It's good. (laughs) You know, I again, I want to let me wrap up the David uh, thought with this question, because in some ways, the beauty of it is David was all out. He lived fully. I mean, he in every direction yes. and some bad directions like that. But there's something about that bouquet that the Lord loves, I think, um, when a human being lives in that way but can recognize their failures, which we've got to give David credit, even though it took him time and it took another person to point out the sin in his life. He responded appropriately and was grieved and showed that to the Lord. That's a good expression. It's not that we're not going to stumble or fall. It's when we try to hide from the reality and we deny it and we hide from God. That's the greater sin, isn't it? And I think the fact that we deny it so easily is a lot of us, me included, has not committed the big no-nos. So I guess I really don't have to worry about the sin problem, as opposed to recognizing that, that I have reason every day to repent, and I have reason every day to claim my sin as an opportunity to know the grace of God more deeply, to get more excited about Him, which makes me more interested in putting Him on display by the way I live. Mm. I just love listening to Larry Crabb. Every word just has such great meaning, it seems. Um, And Greg and Aaron, as he spoke there, I wonder if you had any thoughts about kind of those struggles with sin and how 
God has taught you through those struggles in your own marriage? So many ways that God has done that. You know, it's it's amazing because as a wife, oh my word, 28 years later, I am such a different person as a result of this marriage, but I love that God has not given up on me, that he's constantly pursuing us. And it's just such a great example for marriage that my goal is to continue to pursue Greg. I mean, scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us, that we have that commitment within our marriage and that, you know, grace, God gives us all kinds of grace. And hopefully I'm extending that to Greg, but also to myself, because I know many wives out there and I would, I would like to go to the word all wives out there struggle at different times of being super hard on ourselves for how we've done something. And so what about some self-compassion and grace? God extends it, and we can also extend that to ourselves as well as our spouse. Mm-hmm. I love even in, in such a simple way that I often say to Aaron, listen, you, you stood up 28 years ago and, and promised to love me for a lifetime, and, and I really believe that. I, I usually think more about, but does she like me? I mean, I know that she loves me, but but does she want to be around me? Does she like me like as a friend? Like you're one of my best friends. And I think about just God's desire to have that sort of friendship with us. Not only, Aaron, to your point that, that he's loved us with this everlasting love, he also desires this deep friendship. I want to be liked by him as well is is by Aaron. And so even in that simple little way, that's something I've learned. I love the whole concept of iron sharpening iron in in how God cares about just who we are in our character and just the little things and he's committed to helping us grow. And boy, you know, marriage is such a, a great place if we allow it. Yes. That that our spouse, I mean in so many ways I think about what I've learned from Aaron, watching her, seeing, being challenged by her, um, and just my own personal growth. And truly, there there is an iron sharpening iron within our marriage. And now, if we're full of pride and in, in we don't allow that, if we don't accept our spouse's influence, it's hard at times. I mean, there's times that Aaron will point out a blind spot, um, and, and I hate that. I don't want to hear that. I'm like, okay, that little finger you're pointing at me, the, remember, there's three right back at you, so why don't you worry about you? I love you? it when he does that. <laughs> but, but the truth is that, that within our relationship, um, if I allow just the growth in learning mm-hmm. and being open to what Aaron is seeing, all the while realizing that, that Aaron is human, she's not the source of truth. And that's been another really powerful insight for me is recognizing that just because Aaron thinks it or feels it doesn't make it truth. God. Although usually it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> usually, yeah. Usually. I know you believe well, that. Yeah. But but it is but what it did though is is early on in our marriage when Aaron would share things, you know, I'm feeling this way or here's here's my perception of it. I just would instantly accept that as truth and thus fight her on it, um, defend myself, debate her, versus now what I try to do, so I don't, I don't do this perfectly, but what I try to remind myself as she's sharing something is that, it's, okay, she's not the source of truth, God is. So I take what she says or what she shares straight to the Lord and just pray it through mm-hmm. and go, God, you you confirm 
if that's truth or not. And, and it, 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 what it does is it, is it helps me to, to stay more present and to listen better. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying perfect. Yeah. Cause I can feel her shaking her head. No at me right now, <laughs> but it, what it does is it's, it just, it, it keeps me grounded in God's truth, but open to what maybe how God is using Aaron in that moment to, right. to help grow me that iron sharpening iron, which is the goal. I think that God had when he made marriage happen. So, uh, we want you to have a thriving marriage and have that kind of openness and understanding and, we have so many resources. Uh, we have articles, books, videos, and more. Um, we talk about it a lot, but 900,000 people have taken our free marriage assessment. So if you haven't done so yet, uh, hit the link in the episode notes. Take that free assessment. It's just a few minutes long, and you're going to get some feedback right away about things that are working well and some things that can be improved in your relationship. And uh, if you can, while you're on the website, make a one-time donation of any amount, please. And we'll thank you for that, uh, for joining our support team, by uh, sending a copy of Dr. Larry Crabb's book, Fully Alive, which is a tremendous resource, as you probably heard uh, in the conversation. Next time, more from Dr. Crabb. And for now, on behalf of Greg and Aaron Smalley and the rest of our team, I'm John Fuller, thanking you for joining us and inviting you back next time for the Focus on the Family Marriage Podcast.